Welcome to MemberMaker, a podcast about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm your host, Ward Sandler, the co-founder of MemberSpace. Today, I'll be chatting with Megan Ford, founder of BeKindCoaching.com, about how she turned a one-on-one coaching model into a membership business, what she learned from rushing into a membership model too quickly, and how to make sure your pricing fits your audience. Hi, Megan. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Ward. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to start this conversation. Yeah, me too. So let's give folks an idea of uh, what your business is. Just give them a quick overview. Yeah, quick overview. I am a parent coach and uh, in August transitioned my business from one-on-one in-person coaching to 100% online coaching. Cool. So for people who either are not parents or don't really know what that is, what, what is a parent coach? Yeah, a parent coach is someone who helps parents um, kind of hear where they're at, learn where they want to go, and then help give them the strategies and support and community needed to get them there. So if you think of like personal training or really any like marketing uh, business coach, it's the same thing just for parents. Gotcha. And do you target a specific type of parent? Uh, My favorite type of parent to work with are parents of strong-willed children. So children who are prone to tantrums, meltdowns, screaming, like make you want to pull your hair out and run away. Um, those are, those are my dream clients to work with. Oh boy. So, uh, I mean, I would imagine <laughs> if, if someone's kid is in that state that they're, they're obviously feeling a lot of pain and stress from that. So it would make sense that they would reach out to a coach or a professional to help them. Yeah. It's a lot of guilt and shame and overwhelm and a lot of, especially on the internet, there's a lot of like perfection modeled. Um, I love to work in, in, and marketing my business on Instagram. And a lot of Instagram feeds are just so highly curated that it can ping this like feeling of insecurity. Uh, So I love to meet them where where they're at um, and just be really real and authentic and help them get them to a really solid place. Like a place where they can say, I really enjoy uh, the weekends now with my family. I don't feel like I'm a prisoner in my house. Yeah, that, that, that's a great goal. So, um, so what it was, sounds like you were doing uh, one-on-one coaching. So, what made you transition to a membership model? Yes, yeah, so this is a fun story. So, I um, when I started, I I hit traction quickly. Like once word of mouth spread of what I was doing, I was um, 14 years in a early childhood classroom as a teacher. And I was already doing this work uh, with my parents. So then I finally was like, oh, I'm just going to do it for myself. And there was a week where I had probably 10 one-on-one clients. And I realized that I was repeating myself so often that I was forgetting to say really important things. And I would meet with a client and I would say, oh, yeah, like the routine chart we built last week. And they would like look at me and be like, "Mm, I don't think that that was me. And I was like, oh. And I just realized that I was getting myself confused and I really wasn't serving my clients the best. And realized that there had to be a better way, a better way that they could get all the education that they needed before meeting with me one-on-one to do like the actual coaching piece. So I decided to build an online course and I had never done it before. I was super scared. I always thought like, oh, this is, this is never going to work. And actually uh, uh, a year ago uh, when I was looking into member space, you and I chatted via video checks. I was like, this is never going to work. I'm not a tech person. And I remember you were just like really helpful and you're like, no, there's all so many like uh, tutorials and guides, and I just had to take some time and slow down and educate myself. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a big goal uh, for us personally is to really help non technical entrepreneurs. So I'm happy to hear that you were able to kind of overcome some of your initial you know worries about about 
doing something online and, and kind of shifting a business to, to purely online. Um, so it, just so I know it, in some, some more context for people. So you were doing one-on-one coaching, you realized, you know, some things were slipping as far as, you know, what you had said to, to someone previously, uh, and maybe mixing it up. So you said, okay, well, maybe if I create uh, a standard course or, or, or whatever, that'll help make sure everyone's on the same page. Was it also though, a function of you having too many one-on-one, uh, clients and then saying, you know what, I, the only way to keep scaling this is to turn it into a course, um, or a platform, which, which is what we've heard from other people in the past. You know, it's funny that you say that because at the time I was thinking so small that I didn't even realize that that was a problem. But now that I'm working with over 30 parents at a time, now I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have never done that. So at the time it was purely functionality of saying like, okay, if I can give like serve my one-on-one client better by building them this course to go through, I had no idea like the floodgates that were going to open from, from doing that. Right. And when you first launched this membership model, give people some, some more examples, I guess, of, of what it actually is that, that a parent would be getting. Yeah. So I, um, I've built actually now I'm in, so I, I launched in August and I'm now going into my fourth like launch or reiteration of bringing people into this program. And I've now been able to create like an entire program vault. So I have master, like hour long master classes. I have smaller, um, like self-paced courses that they can take. And then I have one main course that gets you access to the entire vault, um, and lifelong coaching around that specific course. And so really just being able to offer um, one, like, uh, so really being able to offer slides, videos, uh, downloadable PDFs, uh, links and tools to just kind of uh, hold perspective from all sides so that uh, any problem that my client has, I can quickly form a solution to. Right. And I assume this is, this is something that you're growing over time and adding to and tweaking. Yes. If like, even from August to now, it's an entirely different beast. Uh, and it's, and it's growing in like the most authentic way. And that's kind of where I love the flexibility of working from online, um, is that I can make quick pivots in my business so smoothly and quickly that people who are, who I'm serving, they have no idea what's going on in the background. They just know like, oh, I get something cool. I get something updated. I get something new. Um, I get a new coupon code to use and they, they love it. When it comes to pricing, what's the history you have with your membership model? What, what did it start at and, and what is it at now? Yeah. So when I started, I started with a free offering and it was a five day less yelling challenge, um, which just had uh, video modules and a workbook that led them into um, the group coaching program. And I had no idea what I was doing at first. So I had priced it at $747, but then I offered it to challenge members for half off. And I, throughout the challenge, I brought in 133 parents and I was so excited. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Um, I had like a 50% open rate, a high engagement group emailing me back and forth. And then when all was said and done, I only sold one at half off. So at the end of the first launch, I'd only sold $374. And I felt so defeated and so like, what went wrong, right? And I thought like, oh, I'll just give it up. 
And so then I thought, no, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to go back. I'm going to tinker. I'm going to invest in my own coach myself, um, a marketing and strategist um, and business coach to help me see and grow. And she was like, oh, girl, this isn't, you're not, you're not on the wrong path. You're on the right path. Like pick yourself up. Like let's look at it again and let's launch again. So in January, I launched it again with another five-day challenge and opened it up. And I was able to bring in five parents, five families and making just over 4K. So I felt like better about myself. I was like, okay, awesome. This works. Um, I'm going to run it through again. And the cool part for me personally was that I did not change anything from the August launch to the January launch. And so it was amazing to me that I was able to resell a product and course that I had already put in effort to build once, that I was able to sell it again and make even more money. So that leads going into my last launch, which was in April. And I built another free offering. So this time I had done five-day challenges before, and this time I did a whole month series. And I led it into my group program, and I ended up making over five figures. Five figures, yeah, it was a, over a thirteen thousand dollar launch. And what was different about that launch is that I actually upped the price to a thousand dollars, and um, had offered the entire vault as a bonus. And so it was just like amazing to me that for something that I made in August, I've been able to kind of launch, revisit, retweak launch again, revisit, retweak, and launch again. And now I'm in a, in a place where I've had over 30 families go through it. I'm able to um, look through and see like where they need more information and how to edit and grow and launch again. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of things to sort of unpack there. So yeah. just to, let's, let's go back to that first launch. So the price was, uh, you said $740. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. F- 747. 747. And, and that was a one-time charge. Yes, it was a one-time charge. And when someone signs up for that, a family, do they get lifetime access? Um, at the time, yes. They had lifetime access to anything I created, I said. Anything I create. And then I realized, oh, wait. <laughs> I need to be mindful and not thinking of just where I'm at right now, but where I want to go. Right. So I guess, where did that number come from, the 747? Was that just thin air? <laughs> well, that was the cost of the one-on-one private coaching with me. For, so for six sessions before it was 747. So I just translated it and it was kind of like, well, this feels good. So let's see. Yeah. You know, that's, that's actually a popular strategy I've heard uh, from other folks who had some kind of one-on-one consulting business and then transitioned to a membership is they use whatever they used to charge for consulting, some, some amount of sessions. And that that's like the anchor. Cause at least it gives you something to start from that that's reasonable and within the realm of reality. Um, yeah. So, and I knew that people were already paying that. Right. Right. Uh, so that's something for other folks out there to keep in mind is, one, that's that's a good place to start with pricing. Uh, it will change, definitely, but it's a good place yes. to start. Uh, and also, for people out there, before you start a membership business, it might actually make sense to hold off and to first do one-on-one consulting for whatever your expertise or the topic is that you're passionate about that you want to help people with. Sometimes it makes sense to go slower and just one by one get clients, get customers, and, and learn more about what they want and what they need. And how what you're providing, how helpful it is, what you could do better at, et cetera. And then once you've done that for a while, then you can translate that to do it at scale in a membership model. Yeah, I totally agree. I was coaching parents for two years before making that transition. 
Right. And like two years is a lot of time. And, and some people might be like impatient and be like, well, no, I, I need to have a membership model. I need to be making a hundred thousand dollars or whatever. It's like, no, not, not necessarily. You got to kind of crawl, walk, run with this stuff. If you want to be successful. I love that you say that because I was one of those people. I was like, Oh, that was me in the first launch. Oh, I'm going to build this. Oh my gosh. I have 133 people. I was like doing the math. I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. But then when it happened, I only had one person. I actually, I think I sold, gave it to my friends for free. I was like, can you just come and like, what am I missing? And they're like, no, it's great. Um, but what was funny is that I realized now, I realized now looking back that if all 133 people had joined, I would have like, yes, had a lot of money maybe, but I would have had no idea how to like systematically make sure that they're getting the desired outcomes and the best customer support because it was just me at the time. Right. And that's another point that, that I think is, is real solid and to pay attention to is if you are launching something and somehow you get a lar- large audience or a lot of customers, which generally will not happen unless you know what you're doing. Um, if you're not able to support them properly and if you're not able to help them how they thought they were going to get helped, you can leave a real bad impression. And not just this isn't just a money thing. This could be a reputation thing. Like people start talking about you online and saying, oh, this is just not good quality course. It's terrible support, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of stuff can live on the internet forever, um, unfortunately. So it's really important that when you do this, you do it right. And you're not just launching to launch. So I, I think it sounds like you did this did this well. Um, so let's- It's also like- Go ahead. Sorry, just- it's also um, just another bullet point is to something, a mistake that I made that I would go back and kind of like revision is like, think to where you want this to go. I feel like I've been just now being able to position to think like in one, three and five year thoughts because at the time I was so reactive. So if you're just starting off, what I would tell you to do is like get very clear on what your like one, three and five goals are. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it too. So uh, for, from that first launch in August to the most recent launch in April, obviously a lot changed uh, monetarily, number of customers. It sounds like your thinking changed. How did you actually build up an audience? So how did you get anyone to even know about this in the beginning? And then for the most recent launch, what, what changed? Yeah, I have built, um, I mean, I've tried it all. I, a coach of mine said like, girl, you're like the queen of throwing spaghetti on the wall. And I'm like, yeah, just throw and see what sticks. And she's like, you're spending so much work doing that. Um, so for me, it was finding, like asking myself, what is it that I like to do? For me, what I like to do is I like to be on Instagram. So I started to curate and invest my time there. Um, being able to use hashtags to find people and connect to other industry specialists. Like I know now OTs that live in Idaho. I live in Richmond, Virginia. I've been able to connect to so many awesome resources there. Um, and then two, I thought about what is a skill that I want, wanted to build myself and it was public speaking. So I started doing once a month public speaking events um, at a, I mean, it's a health food store, but they have like a really great community space and they host um, talks regularly. So I just started like having kind of that balance of in-person um, skill building and then networking and then online networking and just showing up. Yeah. Uh, so for this uh, in-person uh, health food store, I-, I assume it's free to talk. Is it just anyone can sign up or? Anyone can sign up, but it's actually a paid ticket. So in the end, it was kind of um, a small, I mean, I think the most I've ever made is like maybe just over $100, but $100 for a one hour talk, which is 
awesome that I can record and put it into my member space site. <laughs> it's like a win-win. Um, but it's, it's just what they do is that it, it, it allowed me to tap into a network where they put it out to their network. So I've had people follow me for probably over two years and they found me through this, um, grocery store, they have like a, it's kind of like a Whole Foods and they have on their registers, they have like my information and my logo. And so any customer going through sees it. So really just getting aligned with like-minded brands, like-minded missions to help boost each other's uh, visibility. Yeah. And this is also a common thread I've heard talking to other, other folks about how they built their membership business is having some kind of in-person type event or speaking engagement, or networking, or meetup. There's something about that, especially when you're first starting, that allows you to kind of be more, you know, uh, I don't know if intimate's the word, but you get to be close to people and actually talk with them and, and see them in real life. And that makes a big difference compared to just throwing something out on the internet and saying, hey, check out my business. Like, this is a way for you to provide value in person, which is, I'd argue, um, more valuable than than providing information online, even if it's the exact same information, just the fact that you're doing it in person and they're there, there's something to that. Well, yes. When you're in person, you start to see the body language. You start to see like, uh, my husband has come to a couple of my talks. He doesn't, he hears it enough from living with me, but, uh, he's come to a couple and he goes, Megan, there's like a shift in the energy that it's like very palatable. Once like people come in to talk about these things, they're like all very like scared and tense and nervous. And he's like, by the end of it, you're like getting invited to family dinners. <laughs> so I, I, I crave that energy and I thrive off of it, but it's also great. It's like a low risk area for me to test out maybe a new messaging or maybe a new strategy that I want to present. Um, without like going through the work of building it, recording it, editing it, putting it up, promoting it, getting people's eyes on it. Um, I can go and test it and like, like take the temperature of the room uh, before I put any more effort into launching it. Yeah. That's amazing. So uh, for, for Instagram and this, these in-person events, it sounds like Instagram is another big focus. So is that just you purely following and engaging with people or are you also doing advertising on Instagram? Uh, I have not. I mean, I would say again, uh, this is like the spaghetti method. I have not really put a lot of money. I know, um, so, you know, people say you either pay with time or money on Instagram right now. I'm still like in that, like, coal. I like to say like, I'm holding the coal I'm buffing the coal. And then when I get the diamond, I'll put some money behind it. Um, so I have not run paid ads, um, probably outside of like maybe an initial launch, I'll throw like $25 behind it just to people who have already gone to my website. Um, but I don't, I have not done like a paid ad strategy. It's purely just more organic. For me too, I think that I get higher quality leads that way because they've already been watching me for a while. And something recently talking about getting in front of other people's audiences, um, I have been following someone who had has a very um, engaged group on Instagram and I was doing a story and I called out this person and I tagged them in it and they reshared it in their Insta stories. And in the course of a day, I had over 170 fo new followers, like this huge wave of followers. And what was interesting to me, because sometimes especially on Instagram, you can like spend some time and work and create something. You put something up there and it like launches to crickets and you're like, Oh man, I like really worked really hard. It's like such a good message. Actually I had a post yesterday that I was like, really? No one, no one's going to comment on this. Um, but what happened was when I, when this 
person um, shared the Insta story directing people back to my profile, I had all of those people come over and they started crawling through my entire content. And so it made like they were posting on posts from like a year ago and it made me realize like, oh, I need to start thinking of Instagram, like again, not in the moment, but as like maybe like a portfolio so that when people start to come to me, they can instantly know, like, and trust me just by spending like 10 minutes on my feed. Right. And, and, and I think this is a good message for people to, to recognize that advertising, especially on the social platforms, isn't necessarily the best thing to do, especially when you're first starting, um, you know, privacy issues and, and all that stuff aside, which I think is, is important and uh, something for people to consider if they even want to support these platforms. But if you are going to be using it, um, spending money with them, it, it can sometimes not work, especially if you don't know what you're doing, and especially if you don't have traction yet. So you're just kind of throwing money out thinking it's going to work. <laughs> Well, also, I mean, I can speak to this just very briefly and quickly that back in August, I did put some money like it was it was like maybe $50. It wasn't a lot of money behind uh, one of these paid ads for the less yelling challenge. And that was the name of it less yelling challenge. And actually, it brought over a lot of bad press because of parents who, um, you know, they follow another person who promotes and like, has this belief system and they came over and they started sending me a lot of harassing messages and it like really dinged my confidence. Um, so that's when I was like, I'm going to pull back on this paid ad strategy until again, like I have a very clear message. I have myself have a very clear and confident platform and I really know what I'm doing. Cause I feel like the internet, it can go like to some crazy places. Absolutely. Um, do you, do you also have an email, uh, like an email marketing list that you're, that you're building up? I do. That's a great question. I just recently, like maybe four weeks ago, um, you know, everybody says have an opt-in, have an opt-in. And for the longest time, again, like, I don't know, there's something when I'm like seeing this, it just looks like German to me at first. And this opt-in like was so alluding to me. I had no idea what to do for it. And finally, a month ago, I was like, oh, I should do a quiz. And so there's another platform that I used and I built a quiz and I had people like I started to create like a funnel. So my website, you can take this quiz to find out what how kind is your family? That's the name of the quiz. How kind is your family? It takes you to this quiz that takes you to um, a free guide um, that they have to opt in for. Then I start building the list and then I send them on Fridays a weekly love note just to keep them warm and keep them encouraged and let them know about what's going on. And that, that's something that I've just really kind of positioned and focused on. Yeah. That's something I always tell people too, is to focus on an email list. Um, and, and to some extent more so than social media, uh, you know, you're, it, it varies for everybody because some people have a lot more success with social media, but the good thing about an email list is that it's yours, right? Even if you change platforms from MailChimp to ConvertKit, et cetera, it's still your email list and that audience can be imported and exported pretty easily. Uh, whereas with social media, it, their algorithms could change, right? Some, it used to be that when you posted something, everyone in your followers saw it and then that's changed now. And now things need to be promoted via advertising a lot of times for any, for the majority of your audience to see it. And the problem is that you're not in control, right? A third party is in control of your audience. So is it even really your audience? Is it really your followers? Right. And so that's, that's where it can get a little dicey. Um, whereas an email list, it's always yours. Email is email. When you send an email, it goes to their inbox. Uh, and so that's something for a lot, a lot of folks to, to think about is if you're going to spend time on something, I generally would, would recommend an email list. 
Yeah, I, you know what? I do agree to that. And I agree that it allows you to keep that audience warm. And so they know you and it's not like, oh, I need to email them because I'm launching and then like spam their emails because they'll quickly unfollow you. And, and making sure something that was like, I feel like um, at the beginning was kind of discouraging to me because I would put all this time to this email and I would send it out. And then my open rate was like, I think at the, it was like 20%. And I was like, well, we suck. Like nobody's opening my emails. And then it was uh, my business coach. She was like, oh girl, that's a good open rate. So it's also like putting into perspective that even when people are sending an email, um, keeping focus on who's opening it, trying to you know strategize to how to maybe play with the um, subject lines and making sure that you're del- delivering quality content so that your emails get opened. Right. Focusing on being helpful is, is really the key here, right? Not just sales. It really, it's kind of like I've used this analogy before. It's kind of like cooking, like you, the, the sales is kind of like the salt. You want to sprinkle it in and, and you, it needs to be there. But the majority of the dish is not, is not sales. The majority of your emails should not be sales. It should be providing helpful information to your audience and that's it. And then subtly saying, and by the way, if you need more help, here's a course or here's, here's a whatever that I sell. But the, the focus, the lead should be on being helpful because that'll keep people happy. That'll keep them on the list. That'll keep, that'll allow them to share your email with other people. Then that's what you really want. So let's, let's dive into what, what hasn't worked. It sounds like we've talked through some of the progress you've made in terms of building the audience and marketing and uh, work figuring out your pricing. So what have you tried that really hasn't worked? Yeah. <laughs> um, reflecting on this question, man, so much. Um, I, I like to believe in growth mindset. So every failure is just an opportunity to learn and grow. So um, at first when I started out, I didn't focus on my confidence. I didn't focus on my mindset. I just focused on the action of doing it. And really what ended up happening was that I started to pretend to be someone who I wasn't. So I was not showing up authentically because I didn't think that that's how like, quote unquote, parent coaches showed up. Um, Because I, in doing market research, went and looked at other parent coaches, and then I was trying to mimic how they talked about things. And I just realized I was getting to a point where I was just like frustrated um, with my business. And then I had to look inward to be like, oh, just show up and be yourself, like people like you. Um, So that's kind of something that hadn't worked was pretending not to be myself. Um, Second would be accepting anyone who wanted to give me money. That was um, like another mistake is like really focusing on my brand message, my brand messaging um, on across all platforms so that I'm really like creating that divisiveness. So like that less, yes, less yelling challenge created like a divide. Like some people were pro yelling. Some people were like against yelling, um, creating more content that really did split so that people would opt in and stay in and stay loyal. Um, and I would say maybe like the last is like giving my course away for free really diluted my confidence. It diluted the uh, results that I was seeing and it didn't necessarily help me grow any faster. Great. I think we'll leave it there. So uh, Megan, if people want to learn more about you and what you do, uh, where should they go? They can find me on Instagram at BeKindCoaching, B-E-K-I-N-D-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G, or my website, uh, BeKindCoaching.com. Great. Thanks for spending time with me. Yeah. Thanks, Ward. Have a good day. 
This episode has been brought to you by MemberSpace, membership software anyone can use to easily turn their existing website into a membership business. You can learn more by visiting memberspace.com.